Good. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that I'm here. We're going to uh, have a little kickoff today. Today is a kickoff for our church. And so that's going to mean a lot of things. And I'll share some of that. We've already shared some things. Uh, For some of you, there was a kickoff of school this last week. Would you raise your hand if you went back to school either as a student or a staff member this last week? Raise your hand. Those of you, just look around. Yeah, a lot of people going to school either as a workplace or as a kid. And so, uh, yeah, you kicked off a school year and, and hopefully that started off well. We're kicking off a ministry year, but yet when I hear the word kickoff, I don't think of leaves and sunbeams coming through. And that's cute, and I'm glad our staff made that for us. But when I think kickoff, what am I thinking about? That's right. I got my, uh, let's see, Uh, I got my football, and uh, where is it? My tee. And I ready for a kickoff. And so now all I need is someone to dare me to kick it into the balcony. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I'm not going to do that. Come on. (laughs) Some of you thought, I asked my wife last night, I said, should I try? She says, no, you'll hit somebody in the front row. (laughs) So no, I'm not going to kick off. But you know, It is a kickoff for football season, and uh, specifically the National Football League's kicking off today. I know they played a game a couple days ago, but most of the teams are kicking off today, and as they kick off, I just thought, you know what, for the football fans, let's do something here. Let me hear uh, what is your, and today I'm going to want you to participate a little bit, and so here will be another opportunity, so I want you to engage with your mind today and sometimes with your voice and You know, first service, they're smaller and they're quieter. They were actually, like, cheering throughout. By the end of this service, it was like I was at a football game. It was wonderful. But uh, could I just hear from you, if you have a favorite NFL football team, could you share it with me? Go ahead. You know what? That was easier in first service when there were less people. Okay. Um, Okay. I'm pretty sure I heard uh, Cowboys. Did I... Yeah, I see a hand over here. Um, I'm not a big cowboy fan, but you are. Enjoy. Okay, so now I'm hearing names like Raiders. Sorry, I got no Raiders. What is that? Oh, Raiders hat, Broncos. I, you know, I, I knew we had some people from Colorado, but. Okay, hold on. Did I hear 49ers? You seem to be the most excited 49er fan. So here you go. Can you catch this? You're going to have to put your coffee down. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. And did I hear Seahawks? Who's my biggest Seahawk fan here? Dude, you're like, you're going crazy. Okay, you ready? Here we go. All right. There we go. All right. We were, uh, we were finding some of these. Chris and I were at the store getting these, and uh, we found all of those. We found one for the Patriots, but when we grabbed it, it didn't feel like it was (laughs) inflated properly. So, (laughs) For my wife and others, you're just going to have to ask a football fan what that was all about. (laughs) Uh, I know it's not NFL. Duck fans? Any duck fans? I I saw one of your hands... 
young girl back there. Ready? Here we go. Let's, hopefully I don't hurt anybody here. All right. That interception, kind of like yesterday's game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, of course, we got to have a Beavers football. Man. All right. All right, right here. There we go. All right. Hey, that's all I have in terms of footballs, but I'll give you other reasons to get excited as I start talking about some uh, greater things here in a bit. But uh, certainly NFL's kicking off, as I mentioned today, but we are kicking off as well. And so for us, that means uh, we've already at 9 o'clock this morning started some new classes. And uh, even this afternoon and tonight and this next week, we're going to start some community groups. That's what it is, community groups. And we're uh, starting some ministries and things like that. And don't let this game get going without you getting involved in it. There's a lot going on, launching a lot of new activities uh, for youth. Prime timers are meeting uh, Tuesday here in the fellowship hall. Um, there's a lot of groups getting together. And so I want you to take advantage of that. But as the pros start today, um, we are going to start some things today. I was thinking about the professional teams. There are 32 of them, and they get together, and they have on their team 53 players, and they work for this common goal. One day, we, if we do everything right, if we practice and, and prepare and get along and do all of this, we could, in February, be, be playing for the Super Bowl. That's their goal. In the same way, we as a church, we're not just a uh, team of 30 or 53. We're a team of over 500 at Willamette Community Church. In terms of people who say, this is my church home, team of over 500 people. And we have a common goal too. Our goal is this, to grow closer to God so that we can help others along the way. This is our goal, just like football teams are preparing for a Super Bowl. Ours is that we would grow closer to God so that we can help others along the way. And we don't have to wait till February to see some of this happen. We can see some of this happen today and this next week. And so I would hope that you would be part of this team and grow closer to God yourself so that you could help others along the way. And then we just happen to be one team that's doing this. There are thousands in our community and around the world that are gathering here in the name of Jesus saying we are this body of Christ and we have this desire to grow closer to God as well. Ultimately to help others along the way to show this light of Jesus. Now as I was thinking about this, and I'm going to talk a little football and church back and forth every once in a while here, but as we watch the football games today, no one player is going to say, I can win the Super Bowl all by myself. They, they just don't think that. They know that they are part of a team. And I want you to start thinking, it's not just you is growing closer to God, helping others along the way, but that you are to be part of a greater team. Willamette Community Church, the Church of the Valley, the Church Internationally. And so in football and in the church, we have to understand the power of team. That's what I want us to consider today. There's the power of team. If you're taking notes, I'm going to share a few things with you today and have you write down a few things. But I want us to consider the power of team and then your role on that team. Your role on the team. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn here because this will be our playbook for today and help us understand some things. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. If you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you, we're going to be on page 947. 
This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians, people who have said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I know that I need a Savior. And so the Apostle Paul writes a letter to them. They just happen to be living in the city of Rome, Italy. But this letter certainly is for us as well. Now, the Apostle Paul writes this, and I'm going to have you be in chapter 12, but let me just give you a quick update. He spends 11 chapters... He spends 11 chapters defending the gospel of Jesus. He spends 11 chapters laying down some foundational truths about the gospel of Jesus. And so when we get to chapter 12 and we talk about team and our role on team, it will make sense. But he spends 11 chapters just saying, let me tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me highlight some of that real fast for you. I'll catch you up 11 chapters in a matter of seconds here. In chapter 3, verse 23, he says, the good news has to start with this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person, every one of us has sinned against God. We're in great need of God's redemption then. Everyone has sinned. By the time he gets to chapter 5, he says, I want you to know this. You can be at peace with God, but you're going to be justified through faith. By your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be justified. Justified just as if I'd never sinned is how God would view us. Paul says you don't get this peace with God by working hard. You don't get this peace with God by just showing up to church every single Sunday or whatever that might be. He says you are justified in the eyes of God. You have peace with God when you place your faith in Jesus as your Savior. In chapter 6 he says this. Chapter 6 he says this. I want you to know that the wages of your sin. This is how bad off it is. The wages, what your sin deserves is death. Separation from God. But here's the good news, the gospel, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. So your sin, it deserved this great separation from God, but God has this gift to give you eternal life. Will you receive it? Will you place your faith in Him? By the time we get to chapter 10, he says simply this, if you confess with your mouth, if you say, Jesus, I need you, And if you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that God has this great power to raise him to life, and he's doing this to you spiritually, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved from your sins. All right, I'm glad we got some fans here today. So he lays this out for 11 chapters. Then he gets to chapter 12 and he says, therefore. And when we see the word therefore, we find out what it is therefore. And he says, because of what I've said for 11 chapters, let me tell you now as a Jesus follower how you respond to this God. Let me tell you then how you are to live your lives. Follow along. Let me read a couple verses from chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Stop there for a second. He says this, I want you to know, in light of what God has done for you, in light of the fact that he has made a way for you to get right with God, you then are to offer your bodies to him. And this is worship. Yes, sometimes we do it through singing. Sometimes you'll be in your car at your home and listen to music and sing and worship. But he says, really, worship of God, showing him how worthy he is, is you offering your life to him. Verse 4, look at verse 4 if you would. And he starts to talk about team and church and the body. He says this, you get this 
everyone. For as in one body we have many members, so you have one body and it's got many parts to it, right? And the members don't all have the same function. You're like, yeah, I get that. So, verse 5, we, though we are many, we are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We belong to each other. Here's what happens. The Apostle Paul says that you, when you placed your faith in Jesus, if you have done that here, if you said, you know what, I need a Savior. When you place your faith in Jesus, he says, God included you into his family. God included you into his team. He has done that for you. Now, I understand that maybe some of you here today, you are not on that team yet because you might be saying, I'm just not ready to give my life to God. That's why he writes 11 chapters and says, this is how bad off you are. But if you get to a point to see that you need God, when you simply have faith and say, I need Jesus, he includes you into his family. He includes you into his team. He includes you into a great work. And so today what I want us to look at is that you were included into a body. You were included into a church. Not just Willamette Community Church, but a group of people who follow Jesus. For our purposes, we'll call this team. You were included into a team. And so when you believed, you received the Spirit of God. You were included into His family. You were included then into His team. Look at verse 4 again, would you, with me? Verse 4. He's saying things like this. We belong to each other. Verse 5. We belong to each other. The members of the body belong to each other. We're meant to help each other. We're meant to support each other. We all have a, a part to play. And I want to say this if you're taking notes. Every single person, every single teammate is important and has a valuable role. I want you to hear this. Every single person is important and has a valuable role. If you are part of the body of Christ, whether you believed at a young age, you believed recently, or if you've just believed in the last few seconds saying, this is what I need, you are valuable in this sense as being part of God's team and you have a valuable role. If you would, look at your, one of your hands, please. Look at one of your hands. Go ahead and do this. Your hand is made up of some fingers. It's made up of some skin. Flip it over. You see you've got some fingernails. There all of the the skin has value. The the fingernails have value. There are things then frankly you can't see. I can't see the bone. If you can see the bone sticking out, please get out of here. Go get some attention. But the bone is there. Bones are important. I can't see the ligaments or the tendons or the veins or anything like that. They're certainly important. They serve a valuable role. You would agree with that, right? So some are seen, some aren't seen. And so in the same way, we are all important in the body of Christ. And we all have a valuable role. Let's talk about football for a little bit again. Can we do that? Raise your hand again if you said you are a Seahawk fan. Go ahead. All right, so I'm talking to... Half of you. All right. The Seahawks. Let's talk about the Seahawks. When they play, which I think that was earlier this morning. Well, I'll have to hurry up and finish so you can catch the end of the game. But anyway, on their team, they have 11 people on offense. They have 11 people on offense. One of those people is number three, Russell Wilson, right? He's the quarterback. Okay, he is important. He plays a valuable role on the team. 
Also on the offense is number 24, Marshawn Lynch, right? And Marshawn is important, and he plays a valuable role for that team as a running back and as a person who eats Skittles. I don't know. Anyway. But there are nine other guys that I'm not even mentioning, but they are all important, and they all have a valuable role. And if these are the only two guys doing their role, the team will fail. On the defense, they uh, are made up of individuals as well. One of those individuals is a guy named Richard Sherman. I only know him because he talks a lot, okay? And he is important to the team, and he has a valuable role. But there are ten others that are important to the defense and have a valuable role. And if he's the only one doing his role, the defense will fail. Then there's this thing called special teams. They go out there at different times. And one of those players is a guy named Steven Hauschka. I think that's his name. He's a kicker on the team. All right? He's important. He is valuable. He has a valuable role. But the other ten are important. And they have a valuable role. Some of them just make the screen at church. All right? Then there's a coaching staff. Coaching staff. Head coach is Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll certainly is important to the team. He has a valuable role. But there are other coaches. They are all important. They all have a valuable role. They all have to do their part. And then how can we forget the fans? The Seahawks fans. The Seahawks fans are so important. In fact, in Seattle, the fans have their own number. Do you know that? The fans have their own number. No player wears this number. The fans have their own number. It's the number 12. All right, we had two people in the first service that had number 12 jerseys. It's the fans number. It's because 11 are on the field, but there's a 12th man, a 12th fan that just goes crazy. And they set records for noise levels at, up in Seattle. In fact, if you go during football season at times and you see the space needle, the space needle puts a flag of maybe the most important team member, and they put the number what? 12. They're saying the fans are that important. The fans are that valuable to our team. I want you to think through all of that and see all of that because it's very similar in the church. There are some that are on the stage. There are some that make the screen. There are some whose names get in the worship program. Things like that. There are pastors and leaders and their directors. But I want you to know that there is you. And you are very important in the kingdom of God. You are very important in the life of our church and the church universally. And you may not be seen nearly as much. You may not be heard from as much. But you are important and you have a valuable role. I know that some of you are going to have a hard time believing that. But I'm going to try to convince you of that before we get done here today. Every part of the church is important. Every part. You all have a valuable role to play. And then we can start thinking, well, what happens if you don't play your role? What if I don't play my role? What if we all have roles to play? Let's look at verse 6 then. Verse 6 in Romans chapter 12. Apostle Paul said this, I want you to see all the different parts of the team. All of the different parts of the body of Christ. He says this, verse 6. We have gifts that differ according to God's grace that he's given us. Do you get that part? We all have different gifts. 
based on what God has given to us. Let us use them, he says, all of the different gifts. And then he goes and he lays them all out. If you're taking notes, I'm going to run through these real fast. He says this, if it's prophecy, I want you to use it in proportion to your faith. He says some of the people in the body of Christ have been given this gift of prophesying. Now this is not, uh, what's the word I have here? It's not for prediction. It's not for guessing Powerball numbers, things like that. What it is though, it is speaking truth. It is boldly speaking God's words. Some people have this special gift from God, hear his voice in a crazy way at times, and can speak truth into people's lives. I've heard stories of this recently, and somebody goes, how would you know that about me? You see, well, God tells me certain things to tell you. This is part of the team. And some of you have a gift like this, that you can speak God's truth. Sometimes they are very hard words to say and hard words to hear, but some of you can do this. You speak what God is saying to you, and some people are specially gifted in this way of speaking truth. If you look in verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, here's another part of the team. It's If it's service, if this happens to be your gift in serving, use those gifts in your serving. If you've been gifted this way, let's use this. Let's talk about serving real quickly. Simply, we could say it this way, selflessly ministering to others. Some of you have this gift where you selflessly minister to others. God has gifted you this way. If you looked at the Greek word for this, it's where we get the term for deacon, which is a, a, a church word, a servant, a helper. It's someone who gets energized to help others, someone who gets energized to help the weak. They see a need and they say, I'm just going to go meet it. And so God has designed some of us to be people like that who just have this gift of, I get energized when I serve. I see a need, I go and meet it. In verse 7 it goes on to say this, the one who teaches and who has that gift, use those gifts in his teaching. If, you can, if you've been given this gift, use it. Teaching, let's talk about what that is real quickly. Carefully explaining truth and principles. Some of you can do this. Some of you can do this in a great way. You can interpret truth and you can present it in a very understandable way. Where the prophet says truth to somebody, a teacher is giving instruction and explains some things. And some of you have this gift to teach. Some of them are with our kids right now. Some of them were in the first service using those gifts. Some of you use that uh, to earn a paycheck. But this is a gift. In verse 8, look at this one. The one who exhorts, or some of your Bibles might say encourages. Use that gift. If you've got the gift of encouraging, use it. Encouraging, which would be this, positively coming alongside another. Coming alongside. Some of it's seen in coaching. Some of you can see something wrong in somebody and gently say, you know what, that's not the best way to live. You're not going down the right path. Some of you can come along somebody and say, good job, keep it up. It's inspiring. Some of you are blessed with this gift of strengthening someone to get the very best out of them. So some of you are gifted this way. In verse 8 it goes on to say this, the one who contributes. Use that gift in generosity. Some of you have this gift of contributing to the needs of others. Contributing. Contributing. I'll call it this generously giving of one's possessions. 
Some of you can't help but give. I know that some of you have means to give, but you can't help but give. Some people don't even have the means, but they can't help but give. They say, if it's mine, you take it. You borrow it. You use it. I look around and I I see a bunch of givers in here as well. That might be time. That might be money. That might be possessions. But this is a person who says, I can't help but give. I don't want credit for it even. I just want to be used by God. I want to be part of the team and give. Verse 8 also says this, the one who leaves, use that gift with zeal or with passion or with diligence. Some of us have a gift of leadership. The idea there for leading is courageously setting the direction for others to follow. You say, here's the course we're going. Takes courage to do that. Takes a gift to say, here's where we're going. And some of you lead in a variety of areas. Some of you lead at home. And you're saying, this is where we're going, family. And some of you lead at work and you say, work uh, members, this is where we're going. Some of you use this in the church and say, this is where we're going, church. But it's a gift that God gives specifically to his people for his team, for his glory. One more that I'd like us to look at. Verse 8, and it says this, the one who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. We'll call it this, showing mercy. This person who shows mercy. I'll even say this, cheerfully caring for the hurting. You care for the hurting with a smile on your face. Caring for hurting people, it weighs on hearts. It's heavy work. But some of you just do it with a smile. It's a gift that God has given you to show mercy. You have sympathy for another. You find joy in spending time with people in the hospital. You find, find joy in spending time with people in jail. You find joy in spending time with the homeless, the poor, the suffering. You see, this is a gift that God gives to his family, to his team. And those are all roles that Apostle Paul says is part of God's team. I mean, we talked about quarterback and running back and all those guys. But the Apostle Paul says, these are the roles on my team. Now, as you look through that list, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. I want you to consider, I want you to consider a few things. I'm going to write down, or have you write down four things here that you would consider. As you look at that list, and I would hope that you would look at it this week, maybe even finish reading that chapter, because then it tells you the spirit in which you should be, use those, or uh, work in those roles. But let's consider four things as we look at those roles that we just did. The first one is this. Which one of these most represents you? I think you need to figure this out. If you are a follower of Christ, you say, I've given my life to Jesus. He has specifically designed you and empowered you to be a part of this team and use these gifts. You are to figure out which one you are good at. Which one comes natural. Which one gives you life. Think through that for a moment if you would. And I would ask that as you think through that now and as you think through that in the coming days, I'm going to have this phrase for you, pursue your calling. Would you write this down? Pursue it. Pursue your calling. The way that God has designed you, pursue that. Go after it. Let's think about football here again for a second. The quarterback, 
his job for the most part, his main calling, lead the offense down the field. Right? That's his main calling. He is to pursue that. If he gets caught up thinking, well, I need to be on the sideline being a cheerleader. The coach is like, no, 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 no. Let's pursue your calling. This is what you're gifted at. And he's like, man, I just feel like hitting somebody today. You know what? That's cool. Do that later, but pursue your calling. The running back, for the most part, his main job is to take the ball and run like crazy. All right? The defense, for the most part, their job is to their main calling, stop the other team from moving forward. The kicker, when he gets on the field, his main job, his main calling, you pursue kicking that ball straight through the uprights. You pursue your calling. Same thing in the church. You and I are to pursue our calling. I would say some of this is you need to improve. Improve in your calling. As we kick off, and so this is just continuous until the day the Lord takes you home. Improve in your calling. You see, the football players that we're going to watch on TV today and tonight and tomorrow night and for the next few months, whatever it is, they were improving this summer on their calling. They were practicing. They were improving on this so that they could be better at this. You and I have been gifted by God You're to improve in this as you pursue your calling. I want to speak to the older generation real quickly, too, because you've been in the game a long time. And I don't know how much longer anybody has, but especially those of you who are older, the older football players, they're supposed to do very well, but they're also spending time with the rookies. And they're also saying, let me show you how to do this. I think some of you that have been doing this for a while, part of your job is to invest in the next generation. Pursue your calling Improve on it. Invest in it. Secondly, here's the next thing I'd like you to consider after which one of these represents you. Second one is this. We are all needed to participate in all areas. Would you consider this? We are all needed to participate in all areas. Okay. There are times that the quarterback is leading the offense. There are times he throws. There are times he runs. There's times, frankly, he might have to tackle, Right? The running back, he's supposed to run, but there are times he blocks. Sometimes he catches the ball because he's supposed to, in essence, do all of these. Pursue his main calling, but he's supposed to do all of these. I think sometimes in the church we say, you know what, I'm just a servant. I'm just a servant, so I'm never going to speak the truth into anybody's life. No! Some of you say, you know what, I'm just a servant, so I'm not going to give. I'm not going to... No! We are all called to participate in all areas to some degree. You lead, do you get to say, you know what, I don't have to care for anybody. I'm just setting the direction. I'll just step on anybody. I don't have to care. No! You're also supposed to care. You say, I give. I'm done, aren't I? No, you're supposed to encourage too. You say, well, I thought I did enough by putting a big check. In no, that's not it. You are to participate in all of these areas. Are you with me on this? You say, I serve, so I'm not going to, whatever. You and I were called to participate in all areas. And so I would say pursue involvement. Pursue involvement. You figure out ways to get involved. If the quarterback for the Seahawks throws an interception and goes, well, that's all, I'm, I'm done. All of a sudden, he's now on defense. He's got to go find a guy to tackle. All right? 
He participates in all areas. Some of us, you say, you know what, I just do this. No. We participate in all areas. You find people to encourage. You find areas to serve. You find ways to give. You find ways to teach. Pursuing your main one, but participating in all. Number three. I want to say this, that the team wins and progresses as we grow together. The team wins and progresses as we grow together. Again, on, in a football game, they have to support each other. They have to work together. In fact, if you want to uh, understand your role in the body of Christ better, sit on the couch today and watch some football. All right? All right? Study football a little bit. This is my excuse for watching football today, okay? <laughs> I'm growing as a church leader here by watching football. But what happens? You watch them and they work together. If Russell Wilson says hike and he goes back and all the blockers just say, I'm not doing my job because I don't like him, the team has a hard time winning. And we all have to work together. The team wins and progresses as we grow and work together. And so I want to use this, these words, pursue unity. Pursue unity. I want to speak on this just a moment here. Because I know this happens with every single one of us in here, is that we hurt each other's feelings throughout the course of the year. I mean, if you never talk to anybody, well, we'll probably never hurt your feelings, but you're not being a part of the team. But if you're an active part of the team, what you'll find out is that people, including myself, will hurt your feelings. And if you're a part of the team, you're going to find out that you hurt my feelings and others' feelings at times. We're going to hurt each other. So what do we do at that point? For the sake of unity, we have to talk it out. We have to talk it out and say, you know what, we're not getting along. Let's talk. Let's not let this fester. Are you with me? So in the church office, we've made a complaint form for you. If you don't like my preaching, you don't like the music, you don't like... We've made a complaint form. It's this big. We tell you to write legibly. (laughs) No, we haven't made that complaint form. But the key is we do have to talk things out in order to work well together. Over the course of the year, there's some things that's just like, I don't like the way you did it. You hurt my feelings. Then talk about it. Talk about it. Don't let things fester. The same thing on these football teams. They have to work together. When we talk about the Super Bowl teams in a few months, it's not necessarily the best teams, but it's the teams that are getting along and working together well, right? And for us to advance with the kingdom of God, it's not just the ones that are the wealthiest or have the best attendance. It's the ones that work together the best. And I'll tell you, we will fight at times. We will disagree at times. And as much as I don't like saying this, we have to talk about this. We have to say, you've hurt my feelings. You wronged me. You hurt me. Pursue unity. And we will win as a team. Last thing I want us to consider when talking about a team is this. It says this. We have to play when we're hurt, but we rest when we're injured. I want to explain this because I think this is extremely important. As a church, you have to play when you're hurt, but you have to rest when you're injured. Let me explain this if I could. Football players 
are they constantly over the next 16 weeks, are they hurt? Do they have bruises? Do they have aches and pains? Constantly. Do they keep playing? Yes. They say, I'm a hurt, but I'm still in the game. If somebody's arm is flying off at a weird angle, what do they do? They take them to a doctor and they say, you sit out for a bit. I want to show you that because I think that is true in church too. I think that's true in the body of Christ. Because you and I are called to minister together, to serve together, to pursue our callings, to be part of the team. And here's the deal. We will constantly, all year long, be hurt one way or another. You've got a hurt heart because somebody has hurt you. You've got hurt relationships You're still part of the team. You're still a valuable part of the team. I know you're hurt, but we need you. Some people would say this. You know what? I've got my feelings hurt. I'm not doing very well in this relationship, so I'm just going to go hide. I'd say, no. If you are hurt, you participate still. If I only preached on the days when I wasn't hurt, you'd never see me. I always have hurt, and so do you. But I play hurt. We're all called to play hurt. But if we're injured, if that hurt becomes so serious, we're to rest. Now, it's easy on the football field when you see a guy's ankle and it's pointing that way. It's like, you know what? That's not just hurt. He's injured. He needs surgery. Let's put him in. It's harder to tell with our hearts, isn't it? It's harder to tell with our minds. Harder to tell with our souls. But sometimes people will say this, you know what, I'm just going to avoid the church and everybody. And I would just say, that's just a hurt. Let us help you. Let us support you. You've got a great role to play on the team. For some of you, you are actually injured. You need to go to a counselor. You need medication. You need rest. Would you tell us? And it is totally okay to say, I can't lead for a while. I can't do my job for a while. I think some of you try to suck it up so much, and your heart's in such a terrible place, and you say, but I'm just going to suck it up. You know what? Just tell somebody that you are flat out injured and you need rest. Does that make sense? It's tougher to tell with the heart and with the soul and with the mind. And that's why I would say pursue self-examination. I think throughout this year, You have to pursue self-examination. Say, am I hurt? and Can I still be a part of the team? Or do I just need to tell somebody and say, you can't count on me for a bit. I'm out. I've done that at times around here. Just said, you know what? I can't tell if it's a really bad hurt or if I'm injured. But I just, I I need to take a break for a bit. And I think you and I need to do that. The problem is you got to talk about it. Who likes talking about that stuff? Let me show you a passage in 2 Corinthians here in just a moment. But I would say this. As we look at this, some people use this excuse, I'm not going to be involved until I'm perfect. You, you don't necessarily say those words, but you say, I'm not going to lead. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to help out until I get everything right. I'll tell you this. If we ask every football player that we're watching, don't play until your buddy is 100%, we wouldn't watch football. We'd have to start watching soccer. <laughs> Sorry, soccer fans. <laughs> I love you too. 
I've offended you, and now we need to talk about our hurts. <laughs> but you see, they don't wait till they're in perfect shape. They play hurt. Look at this passage in 2 Corinthians 9 or 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I think it's becoming more and more one of my favorites. Just, and it says this. The Apostle Paul says, I heard this from Jesus. When he was hurt, he said, Jesus told me, my grace is sufficient for you. In your time of hurt, my goodness is going to be good enough in your life. And you just got to trust me with that. The Apostle Paul does some self-examination. He says, am I hurt or am I injured? Can I still be of use to this Corinthian church? Or do I need to take a time out? And he says, you know what? I just have a bad hurt. God's grace is sufficient. I can still be involved. Therefore, he says, I will boast. The Apostle Paul says, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I'm going to boast about my hurts. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, Jesus said, actually, when you're hurt and you're going, I'm in pain, I can't do this any longer. That's when Jesus' power is made perfect in your life. Some of us hide at those times. Don't hide at those times. Tell us. And Jesus' power is made perfect in your life. So the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to boast about all my hurts. I'm going to boast about all these things and just say, I want you to know I'm a hurt man. I've got hurts. I've got habits. I've got hang-ups. I've got all this stuff. And he says, for the sake of Christ, then I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in all of these things. Quite crazy. But he says, I do this. Because when I'm weak and when I acknowledge my hurt, that's when Jesus strengthens me. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to be part of our team and a valuable part of our team this year, you can't wait till you're 100% to be part of the team. You've got to play when you're hurt. Don't hide, just communicate that with others. In community, share that with a few of your closest friends. Then make some closest friends so that you can share that. But some of you actually need to tell people, I'm injured. Count me out for a season. I'm that bad off. And I'll go to the doctor, and I'll get mended up, but I'm going to be back in the game before long. Are you with me on this one? Evaluate yourself. Let others know so that our team could advance. I think that if we'd consider these four things, what's going to happen is we're going to honor God, ultimately grow individually and collectively as a team, and God's going to be honored. Let me conclude with this last question. Simply this, will you choose, will you choose to be part of the team? Follower of Jesus, I don't care if you're a little kid here or you're a high schooler here or you say, I haven't been here in a year or whatever. My question is the same, will you, can, will you choose to be part of the team? Not just a consumer, not just somebody who watches, but will you be a part of the team? Your role may not be taking the, the ball in front of thousands, but it might be on the practice squad. It might be behind the scenes. Will you choose to be part of the team? If you're a follower of Jesus, you are on the team. Okay, you are. You're already on the team. Explore your gifts. Consider these things. I want you to know that you're valuable. 
You're important. God says you're an important part of this team. May not be the visible one, but you're valuable. So would you choose to be part of the team? I don't know where you're at physically, emotionally, relationally, all these things, but will you choose to be part of the team? I think this, that if you and I consider pursuing our relationship with Jesus, we say, you know what? I'm going to pursue my role on this team. You consider your strengths. If you figure out ways to connect, here's what's going to happen. As you pursue this role on the team, as you pursue relationship with God, I know that God will be glorified. I know that the lost will be found through our efforts. I know that chains will be broken through our efforts. I know that light will break through the darkness and God will win today and tomorrow and all the days of our life as we choose to be part of his team. like you to bow your heads. I'd like you to consider this. Because I look out at all of you and I just know there are so many different stories, so many different stories. And yet I know that God is speaking to every single one of you and first and foremost, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're, you're a part of this family, you're a part of this team. It does not matter your age. It doesn't matter your hurt. If you're injured, tell us. Let's help you get healthy again. If you're here today and you say, I'm not sure I know Jesus, well, I'm glad that you were here, but I, I would hope that you would see that you need this Savior, this one to include you into his family, and then he includes you into this great, life-changing team. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you included ordinary people like us broken people like us. We're all broken. You included us into your family through faith in Jesus Christ. And then you said we are so important to you and so valuable are, are the roles you've given us that you've included us into redemptive work that has eternal ramifications. Thank you. As we kick off in so many different ways, would you help us to see our role on the team? Speak to my brothers and sisters today and this week. Help them to know that you love them, that you are with them, and you say, join me now. Let's go. And all of this is grace. We didn't deserve this. We didn't deserve to be in your family. We don't get to deserve to be on such a team that we know in essence we've already won. We are more than conquerors already. Thank you. We don't deserve that. So we praise you for your grace in our lives. Just speak to every single one of us. We thank you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.